Hi folks, I'm Alan Watson. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 29th, 2011. For newcomers, you should help yourself to the free audios available at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you'll find a whole bunch of sites listed. These are the official sites, the only ones I have actually. Anything outside that page isn't actually mine. And uh, they all carry audios for a free download. They all carry transcripts in English of a lot of the talks I've given over the years in English. And you'll see one site there. It's called Alan Watts Sentinel. Sentinel.eu. Uh, you can go in there and you can get transcripts in other languages. Uh, remember, too, that you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I uh, try to stick to the basic facts of what's happening in the world uh, without profiting from them. However, I do need your support financial to keep going what I'm doing here. This is a seven-day-a-week uh, mission, basically. I suppose you'd call it that. It's not a job, unless you're crazy. And uh, if it was a job, believe you me, I'd go out there and sell uh, Godzilla monsters and have lots of fans following me and throwing cash at me. But instead of that, I'm doing, I'm trying to tell the people what's happening in the world because we're going through incredible transformations in society and uh, it's time someone stuck to the basic facts. Uh, not just getting get a gathering of followers and then leading them round in circles, which is often what happens, but uh, trying to stick to the basic facts. As we go through a planned society, a planned change into a planned Brave New World scenario that's documented by the big boys themselves, the big think tanks, the members of the think tanks, the, the foundations which uh, fund all the big social movements that you hear of, the non-governmental organizations across the world with trillions of dollars. And to show you that everything that's happening, with its cultural changes, everything is all planned way ahead, long before you're born, in fact. And even the chaos to do with financial crashes, etc., all come on cue. The bankers don't lose a darn cent from it. In fact, they profit from it. And the idea is to get everyone into, everyone in debt, every citizen in the world in debt, to keep us all afloat, supposedly. And the answer to it all is not to fire the bankers or change the system, obviously, but uh, what they're going to do is put the bankers in charge of the whole global kit and caboodle. So we can't really sit back and just watch this happen. We have to get involved and stop it because... Uh, this is disgusting, it's anti-human, and why should we let the psychopathic peoples uh, rule over us? I'll touch on psychopathy again tonight. Uh, it's good to see that I started years ago talking about psychopaths getting up the corporate ladder and university professors, etc., churning out the books on it now. So at least people get an idea of how to succeed in this world. You're born to psychopathic parents, preferably, and then you become a good psychopath yourself, preferably in a middle-class family with a good start, good school, and you're pretty well guaranteed to get to the top, being ruthless as you obviously will be. So you can support me, as I say, you can buy the books and discs I have at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. I show you the art of chronology, which the psychopaths have used for thousands of years. And I show you, too, that it's even more prevalent in certain groups than others. You may be surprised. Uh, it's no surprise to me at all, after studying a lot of it over many years. 
It can be hereditary, so therefore they pass it on to their offspring. And that's why some groups are far more wealthy than others and tend to run the show. Now you can buy the books and discs from the U.S. to Canada using a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office or PayPal. Some people just send cash across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and again, PayPal. Remember, two straight donations are awfully welcome. Now, as I say, I've watched various terms for the Patriot Movement, even from its early beginnings in different countries. I've Before that, I watched Europe being amalgamated as the politicians kept lying to the public about free trade and uh, just e- an economics of partnerships. Then I watched a whole lot get merged into what was already worked out before I was born, which was a European Parliament that is not democratic. Plans way back at the turn of the 20th century. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the big plans for society. Now I'm sure many listeners have seen the the maps, the old maps too. Uh, They go back many years to do with the splitting up of the US into different regions, about 10 regions or so. And and then of course the plan was to bring you down into community areas. In Britain they call it communitarianism, it's a decentralised government. Our peers who, it's not cheaper by the way, decentralizing government. It's, it's, now you've got a whole brand, a bunch of new local ones, bigger ones to, to pay as well and support. And these local governments really are not, uh, eventually to be run by, uh, councils which you elect as a job so they can take care of business and you can check up in them once in a while. Instead of that, it's to be run on the communitarian almost a Soviet type, an idealized Soviet model, the type that the Soviets never actually got round to. Most folk think that the Soviets were the ultimate form of communism, which wasn't true. And uh, they even said themselves it might take 500 years uh, for the full uh, communism to really appear in society. Lenin himself said it, it might, the, 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 the dictatorship of the proletariat, which really was a dictatorship over the people by him, he said it would take about 70 years to get rid of that phase of it, which in exactly 70 years, of course, that's when you find the walls come down and suddenly they decide to join the West. Well, that was all planned as well. Lots of documentation on that. Even the Rockefellers went over with a big team back in the, the 70s and, and early 70s and told the, the president of the Soviet Union, uh, look, the whole of the European countries are joining into one system, a super Soviet, and if you don't uh, pack in this game here now, it's time to pack it in and join it, you'll be left out in the cold. So it's, it's interesting how things are always planned way before you ever hear of them. And what's even more interesting, of course, is that the media, even when you think that they're giving you an exposure of something, an expose, they never go into the details or the history behind something uh, and tell you that they're bosses because these same guys who own the world basically own the papers too. That lots of information in that role of international affairs comes from foreign relations. Almost every top journalist is a member of this. In fact, every top journalist is a member of this organization that gives you your news. And um, it's interesting to see, to see that, that we're, we're right on schedule with this agenda, right on schedule. Now, as a decentralized government, and as they call it, communitarianism in Britain, where 
basically systems that have been already been set up by non-governmental organizations are jumping in to be the new commissars over your domestic area, different commissars for different things. Uh, and the U.S. are going about it in a different way, naturally. So you always adjust it slightly for the personality types within different countries so they don't really catch on to what's happening. Or, and especially to make them think it's a different system. It's all one same system. And universities down through time have always been used for all kinds of revolutions. And people always think of revolutions as bloody things, but most revolutions are actually quite uh, quiet and bloodless. Uh, the fallout comes later, or mainly a, a social fallout that it has on society and people and families. Uh, all the things that went through the 20th century, uh, all the revolutions, sexual revolutions, uh, all kinds of revolutions, they called them, uh, touted from the top, and all the, all the leaders paid for by the big private foundations, which are owned by the private international moneylenders, uh, were the ones to sp- basically spear the, uh, or front the whole thing into society. Go back into the writings of Bernays. I've done a lot of stuff on Bernays, the guy that really created the consumerist society, but he also promoted um, what became uh, the loose society for America very early on, by the way, by the use of cameras, uh, erotica, and advertising, and so on and so on. So there's hardly a thought, really, when you realize that there's hardly a thought in your head that's actually yours. Most folk don't think through anything. They don't. They can read and read and read, but if they can't put things together from various articles, books, etc., they'll never get the, the true picture of who they are themselves. How did I come to believe in this? How did I come to be conned into that? Uh, or why did I follow this for so long? Or why did I make a fool of myself? You just don't, you can't do it until you realize that so much is put into your head. Uh, in a very clever scientific fashion that makes you you. Part of it, too, is from government, because government wants peaceable, obedient citizens. And, uh, and, and of course, um, part of it, too, is from the same governments that know they've been given their orders that it's now time for a social revolution in one form or another. And their ideas become your ideas. So you're almost like a, a collage of different things all put together until you find out who you really are. Now... Speaking of the fact that universities are always at the front, uh, the forefront of revolutions, this article here is from uh, the Arizona State University. Michael Crow, the president of Arizona State University outside of Phoenix, last month ventured into potentially hostile territory 100 miles south of Tucson, home of the University of Arizona, to address 600 civic and business leaders. And he says... uh, his message was jaw-dropping. Put aside the rivalry between the universities and metropolitan areas and join forces to form one giant urban powerhouse to compete globally with an economy larger than that of the United Arab Emirates. Competitiveness between two communities gets us, gets us nowhere, Crow said. We've been asleep at the switch too long. Now, this ties in with communitarianism because it talked about as they wither away the states, by the way, for global society, they'd have to amalgamate certain uh, big uh, cities, areas, uh, and you will then be given other ones to compete with across the world. And this is exactly what he's on about. Competitiveness between two communities gets us nowhere. We're going to sleep at the wheel too long. Uh, it says, uh, no tomatoes are thrown, there's no booing. Instead, warm applause. Crow was lauded for his frank message, calling on counties from Phoenix to Tucson to compete for new jobs, not against each other, but with each other against regions of the nation and the world. It's funny that I read about that when I was back in, oh, it's, oh it must have been early 70s, when the Council on Foreign Relations 
in Royal Institute for International Affairs had their global meeting in Britain and London. And in the newspapers at the time, they said they would eventually have a, a withered away system of nation states and they would have these amalgamated areas, regions, or even large townships amalgamating to compete with across the planet. And even had uh, the functions of the countries or these, these competing states down as well. Scotland, the whole of Scotland was get, to get turned into a bunch of uh, tourist areas. That's when I was small. Meaning all the factories would, would go, which eventually they did. <laughs> so whenever they say something, they mean it, and that's the agenda. The long-struggling U.S. economy has made one's competing municipalities more receptive to that message. They're reaching across county lines and even state borders and aligning themselves as one economic block. Go back to Karl Marx if you want to understand and read about economic blocks. Because, you see, uh, there's no right-wing and left-wing at the top. There's only followers at the bottom that really think they are right-wing or left-wing. But uh, the ones at the top are all the same people. Uh, running the world and lending uh, fake cash to uh, to the people. And it says, uh, it's the birth of a new geography. A very interesting statement. And you, when they come out with these little terms, take them, you know, make note of them because you'll see them more often. They're given these buzz, buzzwords. It's, uh, marketers dream them up, by the way. Uh, so the birth of a new geography, interesting term. Megapolitans, they call it. Regions that encompass cities and counties linked through man-made and natural connections such as shared transportation networks, labor markets, or water supplies. Because population and economic growth is not spread evenly across the country, this is the 309 million Americans occupy only a quarter of all private lands. Planners and demographers for several years have advocated planning on a scale larger than cities, metropolitan areas, or states. So there's a new book out on it. I wouldn't bother buying it if I were you because there's plenty of information up there on communitarianism and the global society, etc. It's all for free, so why bother buying their book? Actually, they should give it to you for free. I've always said even television should be given to the public and the computer for free because it's those who control you who want you to have it. It's the method of control. <laughs> it says it predicts by 2040 there will be 10 distinct clusters. That's your regions again composed of 23 megapolitan areas in the contiguous 48 states. The Phoenix-Tucson area, for example, is in the Sun Corridor megapolitan area, part of the Southwest Megapolitan Cluster that includes Las Vegas and Southern California. So it's all for global competition, you see. You see, your slave masters have got it all worked out for you, your children, and grandchildren, if you have any, because they own them, actually, for the debt, you see. They actually own them by law if you go into the whole history of money, you'll find that's true. It hasn't changed yet. And every generation has already signed on as soon as they're born uh, to take over the, the, the pre-existing debt of the generations. Jefferson talked about it and says if you're born into uh, a generation where you have to pay immediately just by, being, by the act of being born, uh, the, pre- the debt of a previous generation, you are a slave. And that is legally true. Now, the Far East Rim, too, was uh, the, the whole idea of the Far East Rim, the trading rim of Australia, New Zealand, China, and a few other countries, was decided uh, again a 100-odd years ago by the, by the Milner Group that became the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which uh, also has the Council on Foreign Relations for the U.S. It's the same group. And uh, they talked about, it's, as I say in their books, uh, Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment by Carl Quigley, who was a historian for this group, how they planned this whole future's uh, Far East Rim as well, a trading block with them, a trading block for United Americas, 
uh, United Europe, etc., etc. It's all worked out long before we were born. But they had their the front organizations for Australia, many front organizations, and he names them all in his books too. And uh, you, can, you should get those books and go through them. You'll find out how they brought it all together. Uh, subsequent uh, uh, politicians and changes of cabinets, let's call them politics, uh, all signed further resolutions to join them and cement them together, just as it did with the treaties. They kept joining Europe together. Same idea. So now Australia and China are holding joint rescue exercises. What a turn-up, eh? It says the Australian Chinese militaries have held joint exercises in the central Chinese province of Saishun, it's called. This is a mock rescue operation, they call it a rescue operation. Eh? We're set in a fictitious third world country. Let's pretend it's fictitious and have a military exercise with China and Australia. And conducted at an emergency response training base near the epicenter of Sichuan earthquake. So they'll be able to come in when there's rioting in Australia, New Zealand, and elsewhere, along with uh, Chinese troops to help them out. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. It's also interesting, too, how... Uh, when some of the psychopaths are caught red-handed doing their dirty deeds, uh, that, the, of course, the, there's a public outcry. They'll call it outrage. I, I, have, I haven't seen the public being outraged myself. That's something the media uses. I think we're too far gone to know what outrage means. But uh, I don't think you can even motivate them to be outraged, to be honest with you. But anyway... Um, when we saw, they always put a, a show trial on, like, oh, we'll, we'll get these rotten swords. And this is one of these art, rotten swords articles here. And it says, and it makes us feel kind of good that a judge actually said something nasty, you know. And that's all he did, though, say something. And of course, he'll shake hands with them after and, and go off to the club with them or the Masonic Lodge. Judge rejects the SEC deal, SEC deal with recidivist Citigroup and calls their fine pocket change. Well, wasn't that a terrible thing to say about them? That really showed them, eh? Under the SEC deal, which allows Citigroup to avoid admitting wrongdoing in the sale of risky assets to investors, they throw us their junk assets. They knew what they were doing. The public is deprived of ever knowing the truth, a U.S. judge says. Well, he told them, eh? He's telling them there, eh? As a federal judge in New York refused on Monday to endorse a $285 million consent agreement with the SEC that would have allowed Citigroup Global Markets, Inc. to avoid any admission of wrongdoing in a deceptive securities transaction that earned Citigroup $160 million in profits when investors lost $700 million. Well, guess who made up the loss? Guess who made it up, folks? You know? You, of course. Yeah. And uh, But he showed them, eh? He told them, no, they couldn't get away with that. And not, not, not agreeing they were in the wrong, you know, or he really showed them. Under terms of the proposed agreement, Citigroup was not required to admit or deny any illegal conduct alleged in a Security and Exchange Commission complaint with the firm, and the firm would pay what the judge termed only very modest penalties. If the allegations of the complaint are true, this is a very good deal for Citigroup, and even if they're untrue, it's a mild and modest cost of doing business. And that's how they see these little fines as a, uh, as a cost of doing business. A U.S. Uh, District Judge Jed Rakoff wrote in a 15-page opinion. He says, that's his opinion. See, it's no law, it's his opinion. They're all in it together. It's harder to discern from the limited information before the court what the SEC is getting from the settlement other than a quick headline, he said. 
So uh, he really told them, there you go, uh, don't you feel better about it? It's all rigged at the top, you see. And that's just the way it is. Now, this ties in with this little article here, which is some truths and a lot of nonsense as well. And it's from the Star, and it's called Weeding Out Corporate Psychopaths. And I've, I, I really started the ball rolling on this, and I said, it's only ones you can get to the top in this world are psychopaths. I said that years ago and went through a lot of the history of psychopaths and psychopathy and how to define it and how to look at it and so on. And how you have to be ruthless to get to the top. In fact, it's encouraged in business school now. And they also give you a, a psychopathic culture when they get to the top. And we see the, the fallout of the psychopathic culture all around us today. But it's called Weeding Out Corporate Psychopaths. And it's, it says here, given the state of the global economy, it might not surprise you to learn that psychopaths may be controlling the world. Uh, exactly what I was saying for years. But it is good they've caught on to it eventually. And the word did get out and it started here. Not violent criminals, but corporate psychopaths who nonetheless have a genetically inherited biochemical condition that's false that prevents them from feeling normal human empathy. So there are a lot of falsehoods too. There's definitely a hereditary trait in it though. But in psychiatry, for instance, uh, they still have no proof of uh, biochemical imbalances or anything like that with, with psychosis uh, or in psychopathy. Anyway, so scientific research is revealing that 21st century financial institutions with a high rate of turnover and expanding global power having become highly attractive to psychopathic individuals to enrich themselves. Uh, no, these guys actually created the global economy, you see. So anyway, to enrich themselves at the expense of others and the companies they work for. A peer-reviewed reviewed theoretical paper called The Corporate Psychopaths, Theory of the Global Financial Crisis. Details, I'll put the links up tonight. All these articles, I'll put the links up at cuttingthroughmates.com. It says, how highly placed psychopaths in the banking sector may have nearly brought down the world economy through their own inherent inability to care about the consequences of their actions. The author, author of the paper is Clive Body previously of Nottingham Trent University, believes this theory would go a long way to explain how senior managers acted in ways that were disastrous for the institutions they worked for. They're not really because they all got paid off by the taxpayer. Uh, the investors they represented and the global economy at large. If true, it also means that the astronomically expensive bit public bailouts will not solve the problem, since many of the morally impaired individuals who caused the mess likely remain in positions of power. Worse, they may be the same people ever advising governments on how to resolve this crisis. Well, that, that part is true. It's precisely what is happening uh, in Europe. That puts, that's a new treaty for, for the whole of Europe, and they put all the bankers in charge. Uh, in this treaty, every country in Europe will be demanded to have to pay money within eight days when this group demands it, and have eight days to comply in order to get fined, unelected, new commission, I'll read it on that later when, if I've got the time to do it. Anyway, worse, they may be the same people advising governments on how to resolve the crisis. To tackle the problem, we must ex- uh, examine its rare and curious condition and why recent corporate history may have elevated precisely the wrong type of people to positions of great power and public trust. It says they're unfeeling but not insane. Psychopathy should not be confused with insanity. In other words, I'll cut to the chase. It's really a, this classifies a personality disorder. That's how they classify it. It's not biochemical, but as far as we know. This shark-like fixation on self-interest means that psychopaths often feel a clear detachment from other people, viewing them more as sheep to be preyed upon than fellow humans to relate to. By the way, it's also hereditary and if you have inbreeding in any particular group in the world, you'll find they tend to produce the highest rates of psychopaths. Uh, read the book Pornology for more information on that part. And that does explain a lot of what's happening today. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the Matrix Reunion article, which has uh, some falsehoods and the basic uh, truths as well to do with psych- psychopathy, basically, in it. And uh, you have to really study many articles and many studies and, and psychiatric books to find out the, the variety for yourselves and the truth for yourselves, because it says a lot of falsehoods in there, too, which I call New Age Science, where there's a lot of hypotheses are thrown around and um, theories are abound, of course. But it says here, studies on twins have revealed that psychopathy shows a, a strong genetic signature and there remains no effective treatment. That part's true. Recent research has linked the condition to physical abnormalities in the amygdala region of the brain, but not always. But not always. That's the end thing now is to show you uh, through the, the, the various um, MRIs, etc., what parts of the brain is working. And one of the tests is to show them horror, horror, horror um, photographs uh, murders, rapes, that kind of thing, and there's really no, there's really no uh, lighting up of that region when they see things that should horrify them, things like that. But it doesn't always, they don't always show the same traits. Only a small subset of psychopaths become violent offenders, and criminals uh, fictionalized in movies most simply seek to blend in and conceal their difference in order to more effectively manipulate others. This frightening condition has existed throughout human history, though likely in a marginal and socially parasitic way. Actually, it's the norm for rulership uh, throughout history, especially when it comes to money and a system and a people who can run that system and the form clubs. And they, they can get on together. This, he says in this article, they can't really get on together too well because they don't trust anybody. Not true. That's why they have so many lawyers, etc. Because once you've got things signed in a law, they have ways to get back and uh, whatever they're after uh, and to get back at the people they're after too. So they can certainly get on together when they form cabals and they can recognize each other. They do recognize each other. It's, it's a sixth sense that they have. And so, it says, so anyway, it says, um, it says, uh, so they, they try to say in this article here, they, they often perish because they lack the ability to trust each other. Not so in an organized society, not so at all. The bottom type of psychopath who smashes a window and grabs a jewelry because he wants it right there, or, or a bottle of booze, he wants it right now, that's the bottom type. He can't get on with anybody. The ones who rule over you certainly can get on with, well with each other. They have to. And they all watch each other too, like crazy. So anyway, it says a human ability to build social capital means that people can cooperate and trust each other. We can reliably predict the behavior of others even if we have never met them. Social capital is the glue that holds together our communities, complex societies, large institutions, and the economy. The one and only superpower possessed by psychopaths is a ruthless ability to spend the social capital created by others. And it goes on and on, but as bits and pieces of the truth. But it says, look at the book, uh, look up the book or find it or buy it. It's called Political Ponerology, and uh, it's a very good, interesting study uh, from the Soviet bloc by people who realized that the, the leaders that they had, the ruthless leaders they had, were no different than the ruthless leaders across the rest of the world in the West. And then they went in deeper into studies to find out the actual ethnic groups that produce most psychopaths. Uh, and, of course, the ones who inbreed tend to have the most, the ones who are most successful and in, inbreed tend to produce the most psychopaths and a psychopathic culture. So it's not so difficult to understand at all. Now, 
the G20 farce in, in, in Canada that they had uh, it was, was quite an amazing thing. It cost billions of dollars for all their fake towns that they built and fake this and fake that just to keep all these other psychopaths happy on our the taxpayers' uh, tab. And lots of security, etc., etc. They even paid for the prostitutes, as always do for them. And that's another sign of psychopathy because they have no inhibitions whatsoever and no feeling of guilt at taking prostitutes, male or female. And we all supply that. That was in the paper too. Incredible, incredible system they give the people below them to, to have morals and they have none at the top. Eh? But anyway, the RCMP collaborated with provincial and local police to monitor activists, it said here. It says, um, police organizations across the country cooperate to spy on community organizations and activists in what the RCMP called one of the largest domestic intelligence operations in Canadian history, documents reveal. Information about the extensive police surveillance in advance of last year's G8 and G20 meetings in southern Ontario comes from evidence presented in the case of 17 people accused of orchestrating street turmoil during the summits. The court case ended Tuesday before it went to trial. Six of the defence pleaded guilty to counselling mischief and two of those to an additional court of counselling to obstruct police while 11 people had their criminal charges dropped. So... Uh, all, everything is infiltrated, you understand, in society, not just because of this meeting. They always have the undercover people through all areas of society, have had since the 1950s. Jacques E. Lowell went through a lot of this history uh, to do from the 1950s, saying that every town, every village across the Western Hemisphere, he said, since the 50s, have been collecting, has its own little spies put in there by the government to collect all the data on every single individual, generally garnered, garnished, or garnered through uh, chit-chat and conversations, gossip and stuff like that. But they're always there, and of course there's different layers of them, including up to your police and then semi-military and military, etc., etc., etc. So that's quite the thing that's, uh, that they had uh, these guys working for an awful long time before the meeting, and after the meeting too, they still have them. They'll have spies in every community. And we thought that only went on in the Soviet Union as we pretended we were so free and all the rest of it in the West. <laughs> Psychopaths are good, eh? Giving you a fake reality. Now, what kind of society do we have? Um, it's a society that has been degraded because say, psychopaths always give you degradation in society as the, the population copies them. We're taught to copy the, uh, the winners, you know, the ones who win, and the achievers, the great achievers, and it ends up going into moral debasement throughout society, especially to do in an age where anything goes. You've been taught anything goes. Uh, even psychiatry will push that thing too. What's wrong with you? Oh, this, this system is killing me, doctor. Uh, uh, take these pills and come back in a month, and after a month he says to you, um, how do you feel now where well, you're still living in the same dump or you're squeezed in one of these little houses crammed with people around about you or living in an apartment building with all kinds of cultures up all night partying uh, and stuff like that and you, you can't get sleeping. Same thing, but you feel better, you're on the pills. And then psychiatrists will say, uh, are you having lots of sex now? Are, are you shopping and buying and working? He's, you're cured if, if that's what you do. The very thing that put you in in the first place. As long as you can tolerate it, you're cured. That's psychiatry for you. That's what they call a science. You know. The thing that kills you can get drugs back into, and, and, into coping again. Same situation that you're in. But as long as you're having sex, that's the main thing. Sex doesn't matter who or what with. 
and buying and spending and, and partying and working, you're, you're, you're fit enough to get back into the workforce and be cured. Nursing home workers' at use of waterboard torture on 89-year-old woman with dementia after arguing over ice cream. I won't read through it really because I'm showing you that what happens through all your movies becomes reality. You copy fiction. Most of you think you don't, but you all do. Fiction and those who control fiction are very essential to controlling all of you. They're untouchable, in fact, and what they put out there is fiction. All ages, too. They've got all ages worked out. They're working at all age groups. And preparing even for the next, once you'll be 40 in 40 years' time, they're already preparing the stuff now for them, starting at one. But they'll watch from cartoons onwards. They, they always plan the society they want down the road. You are in a totalitarian system. Have been all your lives. To say, who are you really? You're a composite of what they made you. And you think you're normal because everyone else is the same as yourself with the same composite indoctrination. But anyway, he's folk torturing old ladies uh, by waterboarding them because it's in all the movies. You see, torture is good, torture is good. And that's what you do with people who won't cooperate with you is just torture them. And the elderly, well, who needs them anyway? Because, you see, they're consumers. They don't con- contribute to society. They're not producers. And uh, what are they worth, you know? Because euthanasia is getting pushed more and more in the media and in the universities. And police here murder a deaf cyclist with stun gun after he failed to obey instructions to stop. So a police officer killed an elderly, deaf, and mentally disabled man. Well, see, he's got so many strokes. Again, he's mentally disabled. He doesn't contribute to society. So nothing will happen in this case. But anyway, here it goes. Reading his bicycle by shooting him with a taser gun after he failed to obey instructions to stop. Stone deaf, too, eh? So he was 61 years old, was killed as he made his way home in Scotland's Neck, South Carolina, after officers responded to a 911 call about a man who'd fallen off his bicycle in a car park. Never call the police. There's been so many stories of folk calling the police, and they come in and kill people. When there's no need to be brutal about anything. But it's just the way they're trained now, you see. They want itchy, itchy trigger fingers, used to say. The caller told dispatchers that the man appeared drunk and that it looked like he'd hurt himself. Officers said they repeatedly told Mr. Anthony to get off his bike, but when he didn't respond, they shocked him. That, that, that's the new police. There's probably about 20 of them standing around there and they couldn't handle him, so they just shock him. Cops at one time in lots of areas had no firearms at all. In Britain, they didn't either. And if two cops couldn't hire someone who was mentally retarded and stone deaf, then they'd have been fired. And the guy wouldn't be bruised, shocked, or shocked, tasered, shot, or anything else. But we accept all this today. Something's happened to y'all. Anyway, it says... Um, uh, the state office of the medical examiner hasn't yet determined a cause of death. You understand this is being used now, just like the waterboarding. Same thing. She won't. Uh, she won't uh, comply. She won't comply. So let's just torture her. It's the same thing. This guy wouldn't comply to go off his bike. Maybe he'd hurt his head as well, falling off the darn bike. But now it doesn't matter. Wouldn't comply. Torture him to death. The state office of the medical examiner hasn't yet determined a cause of death. <laughs> well, we know that's going to get tossed out the window after all, you know. 
There's no value. You know, you think life has value. It used to have one time. Doesn't have any value at all anymore. You're all categorized according to your your income bracket and what you can uh, consume and what you can produce and how much taxes you pay. That's your value in society. I'm not kidding you. Mention this article the other night to prepare for riots in, in Euro. If the euro collapses, the Foreign Office warns, take that very seriously, they're getting all prepared for it. But as I say too, they've also got this new treaty, the treaty established in the European Stability Mechanism called the ESM, between the Kingdom of Belgium, Federal Republic of Germany, a whole bunch of countries and so on. And what it is, is a bunch of bankers who now are put, or technocrats you call them, read technocracy, it's actually supposedly a science, and it's also a political theory that was set up back in the 20s and 30s, and eventually they would replace technocrats for your politicians and elected representatives that put them in charge of the borrowing for all these countries, and they'll spread the money supposedly across all these countries, but they will tell each country, I want more, give me $11 billion by the end of next week, and you better comply, or they fine you. It's all comprised of bankers, the new treaty. I'll put a little video up on it, and I'll put up the treaty itself tonight for those who care enough to read it. But that's the society we're living in. Most of the society today are so, so entertainment, um, fragmented, I mean, I should say. They're fragmented with inter- inter- entertainment. They, they can't tell fact from fiction anymore. They can't tell fact from fiction. And even when you're into something serious, there are people who start blending the fact and fiction until the serious becomes bizarre and ridiculous as well. And people don't really want the serious stuff. They want the entertainment faction to be put on top of it. Because it's very, it's very, it gets them excited. Rather than read the dry, boring stuff of what's actually happening. It's quite sad, isn't it? But that's how you're managed and manipulated. You know, Huxley said the same thing, Aldo Huxley in Brave New World Revisited. He says, he says, most people today are living in conditions uh, and they seem to be very ha- happy and normal. They're normal because everyone around them is normal. Because they've all been trained and they don't know it to accept the abnormal. And that's how you verify your sanity. You throw out ideas and if, if your pals all bounce them back to you, yeah, I agree with that. You think you're not, you're normal. You're all abnormal. You just don't know it. You're putting up with situations you should not put up with if you were not truly normal. If you're truly sentient and awake and alive. Terrible. Hmm. Now, I'll go to the callers now. There's Harriet um, from, uh, is it Michigan, I think. Hello. Hello, Harriet. You're there. Hi. Uh, thank you. And I wanted to say I, I really appreciate everything you do for all of us. I really like your show. Um, I wanted to ask, um, I've been two different strains of thought I wanted your help on. One has to do with the um, hermaphrodite concept, and one little strain I was following on that was that this idea that sort of parallels another idea that I've heard you debunk on the Ananukai. But yeah. the idea is two different um, sort of species from the beginning of time, with the Neanderthal, it's the hermaphrodite and then the Neanderthal. And it seems as though the idea is 
um, the Neanderthal eventually up through the ages then becomes and turns into the group that we now call the Illuminati? No, no, um, no, and, no. And the, I'll tell you, it's much simpler than that. It's much simpler okay. than that. I'm wondering if you think... Yeah, I know, I know, but what I'm going to tell you is much simpler than that. All that stuff was put out very carefully by those who helped rule the world, actually, uh, a long time ago, uh, and they've got lots following it. It's very exciting, and you mentioned the word Illuminati, and everyone goes, ooh. Uh, 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 these groups, actually, are much more evolved into high social clubs, very respectable clubs now, that, and you can go into the Rand Corporation and find a bunch of them there. And all these big groups that advise governments, that's where they all are in this day and age. And they use computers and programs and algorithms to work out things. That's what they do. But when you get back to psychopathy, get back to basic psychopathy. And I even show you this in Arthur C. Clarke's movie, um, 2001. They start all out with, with basically shows you apes and, and chimps and, and they all go to the water hole and, they, and there's two groups of them and they all shake their fists at each other and they scream a lot, drink their water and go home. Nothing happens. Nobody gets hurt. But one of them eventually, and you would call him a psychopath, grabs a big bone and cr- crushes the skull of, of the guy across there for the first time kills someone or something. And then he becomes the leader. Now, basically, psychopathy being hereditary, once he starts inbreeding, and then, of course, you have a royal family, which will inbreed into its own, you are guaranteed psychopaths coming down the pike for generations. Now, now, now you take that too, take that too, with an added particular religion on top of it that's very paranoid about every other people's, and you're guaranteed to have secrecy and domination by a particular group who know how to use total force, etc., etc., etc. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I am Alan Ward. We're back cutting through the matrix. And just before I go on to Darren Ireland, just to talk about the hermaphrodite for a second here. Those who own the world and had had a master plan for an awful long time have their own belief system, and they take care of their own. They also know how to destroy everything similar to themselves by destroying everything that works in society. And when you want to own the world, and that's your mission to own the world, and everything in it, that's very important, everything in it, then you'll get into genetic engineering, and eventually you'll make all kinds of slaves more perfected slaves for specific functions, etc. But first you must degenerate society so much to allow that to happen. You do, you do so by, by literally, while you keep your own morality amongst your own group and the family unit is at the very top of the tree, you destroy it outside of yourselves. We've, we've lived through that period today. To, to, I don't think you can go back to it anymore, in fact. It's destroyed. Awfully successful. A war was waged across the world on people who had no idea that they're actually being goaded into something and guided into something that was actually wasn't their idea at all. Never mind the consequences. They never thought of the consequences. But those who planned it certainly did. So hermaphrodites, we, and even NASA put out a movie a few years back to do with long-term travel in space. They talk about creating hermaphrodites to travel in space. There'll be no onboard problems with sexual um, uh, rivalries, etc. going on. 
and how they could even give birth to them through um, programming computers to, to, to watch over these embryonic phases as they give birth to these creatures, etc. Something that can be, be, do nothing but really be, they call it actually, it's called a golem. A golem is a slave, a man-made slave for those who own them. A, a computer is a golem. A human being can be a golem if he's created to be a, a perfect slave, tirelessly working, never complaining, perfectly efficient at what he's, he's been made, built to do. And that's part of what the hermaphroditic part is too. But you must go into the next part of utter, there's not, not much left of utter sexual depravity. That's where they're pushing for pedophilia to be normalized. And also all the, the inter, you know, intergender, uh, uh, same, same gender sex, etc. Is, is getting pushed into mainstream movies all the time, big, big time. For a purpose, not just to titillate you, not for bucks. This is to destroy what's left of society for those who own it. This is all a warfare technique. Now, as Darren from Ireland there. Hello, Alan. How are you? Not bad, yeah. As above, so below, I suppose, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's come to a point now where uh, when it comes to music or TV, I, I have to turn over to a classical station because when I listen to words or if I catch myself during the middle of the day, I don't know where this thought comes from, but I end up repeating the chorus of some song. And, you know, I, I kind of see the effect it has on me, but I also see the effect it has Consciously on other people, like I can see people singing choruses, and if they really listen to the words, and if it was said to them in a casual conversation, they wouldn't be deprived. No. Yeah, these these are, it works along the way of memes. You know, they, they talk about memes and trends. They always give you the buzz terms, the trends, the memes uh, that become normalised into society as we use them. But you're quite correct. But words are very very important, as are pictures or images in your mind. Uh, they, they, they alter you by the way that you use them and continuous use of them. And you're actually being guided by other ones that will then add to those particular phrases and words into thoughts, predetermined thoughts with predetermined conclusions. You're absolutely right. It's a science, perfect science. But thanks for calling. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you. Remember to... You can help me out by uh, buying boost discs and donating as well. See you tomorrow.